Hey, we are only a few weeks away from Easter. If you are here in Toledo, you probably don't believe it because we got a nice spring dusting happening, right? Which if you're from a warmer climate, you're like, what does that even mean? It means we got an early spring snow. That's what it means. It means we woke up to white fluffy stuff on the ground despite the fact that technically we are in spring. But believe it or not, Easter is just a couple of weeks away. And so as we walk into Easter, I want us to look at the book of Mark. Specifically, we're going to look at Mark chapter 2 and just look at a couple things this week and next week of what I think Mark is telling us about Jesus as we walk into our Easter services, Easter being just a few weeks away. Hey, if you don't know, we are having Easter services. We're having two Sunday morning Easter services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Easter Sunday. What time are we doing services on Easter? 9 a.m. You guys are so smart. We split it either side because we normally have service at what time? Oh, well, you guys do know that. I thought some of you might have thought that it started later than that. Joking, a little bit, a little bit serious as well. Service at 9 and 11 a.m. on Sunday on Easter because we want to come in and we want to lift up the name of God on Easter Sunday. And so my heart is that over the next few weeks, we would lean into who Jesus is. The Gospel of Mark is, of course, Mark's account of the story of Jesus living on earth. And it's Mark's take and his perspective. He has something that he is showing us about what it meant for Jesus to live and walk and how he lived his life. And part of what Mark is telling us is how and why Jesus came to earth. And part of what we take from that then is how Jesus intends for us to live and walk on earth when we are here in the here and in the now. A fun fact about the Gospel of Mark is that many theologians and scholars believe it to be the earliest of the Gospels ever written. The Gospels being the four books that tell us the story of Jesus found in our Bible, that it potentially was the first one ever written down so that we could then later, thousands of years, sit down and read it. And I think Mark has something for us to say. Wait, Mark has something to say for us to hear. That's the way I was going with that. Right? And I want us to take something from that, and I want us to lean into it. Specifically, we are going to look at Mark chapter 2. So if you want to turn to the book of Mark, looking in chapter 2, I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are here. Thank you that you are present with us. I thank you that you came to us. I thank you that you dwell with us. I thank you that you speak to us today. God, I know that you have spoken something specific. It's going to step past all of our exteriors, God, and reach straight to our heart. So I ask you, Holy Spirit, to move in this place, to do what only you can do. I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Have you ever carried something really heavy for a long time? Like physically, have you ever carried something? Like some of you went straight emotional. You were like, yes, I have been carrying some things. I'm glad we're going to, no, we might get there today. But specifically, have you ever had to literally pick something up and carry something heavy for a long distance of time? I've only done this a couple times in my life. To be honest, this isn't something I have a lot of experience with because when people think we have big, heavy things that need moved and carried, I mean, look at me. I'm five foot two in my heels. No one thinks, let me call Meredith when I have something big and heavy to carry. 
So I had to volunteer for these experiences. So a few years back, I did one of those like challenge race things, you know, where you sign up to run a long distance and you have obstacles all along the way. I don't know why, I just do these things, okay? So I did it, I get in this race, and one of the obstacles is that you had to carry this ginormous sandbag. I think it was like 60 pounds or something like that. No, Phil says it was less. <laughs> Phil says it was less, and it was very heavy. It was very heavy. So I had to pick up this huge sandbag and carry it. I had to run down this track with this sandbag and then carry it all the way up these like um, stairs, you know, like in a stadium, then across another edge, then all the way back down, then all the way back down the track to drop it back off at the pickup so the other crazy people who had also signed up for this race would have a bag to pick up when they arrived. Ridiculous. And when I'm carrying this bag, I'm, I'm breaking under the weight of it, right? My knees are shaking, my arms are shaking, I'm aching in my shoulders, my stomach, because it's taking every muscle that I have, and the mental part of it going, why am I carrying this bag? What am I doing with this? Is, is it possible for me to get out of this now, but I can't because I'm in stairs with people in front of me, and there is no way but moving forward for me to get through this. I am carrying something heavy for a long way. Now, I didn't really have any purpose to carrying my thing for a long way. And the story we're gonna look at today is a story of some friends who carried their friend for a distance. And they carried him not so they could say they finished some silly race that they voluntarily signed up for. They carried him because they needed to get him into the presence of Jesus. They picked up their friend who was lame and they carried him, four friends carried him from where he was to meet with Jesus. I want us to look at it today. If you're in Mark 2, we're going to read through it and I just want to pull some things from this text that I think are important for who Jesus is calling us to be, that I think are important as we lean into Easter about the kind of people that Jesus wants and the kind of followers of Jesus that he's asking us and wanting us to be. If you'll start with me at Mark 2 and verse 1, it says, And when he, mean Jesus, returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. It was reported that he was at home. Now, I can't really actually get any further than this. I want to stop on that word reported because when you read it, I don't want you to get the picture that a news periodical was sent out to let everyone know. I don't want you to get the idea that a tweet went out letting everyone in the Capernaum circle know or that neighborhood sent out a notification that there was a report, an official statement or document that was, no, in the original language, that word reported actually means a noise was made. A noise went out that let other people know that Jesus was there. A noise came up from those who were close to him. A noise came out of the people who had gathered around him. A noise came up from those who were touched, who were in his presence. My question is, are the people of God still making a noise that let other no others know where to find him? Is there still a noise coming out of your life that signals to somebody where they can find the presence of of Jesus? Is there a noise coming out of this house that says to a city, you need to find Jesus. I can tell you where to find 
around him? Does your life make a noise when you leave this place? Does your life make a noise that says, I can tell you where you can find Jesus? Does your social media content make a noise that says, I know where you can find the presence of Jesus? Is there a noise that comes out of you when you enter this place that says to someone who found themselves in this place but hasn't yet met Jesus, there's a noise coming out of me that tells you you have found him in this place. There should be a noise the closer that you get to Jesus, that the louder it gets coming out of you. Why is it sometimes that the closer we get to Jesus, we think the stiller and the quieter and the more silent we have to get as a sign? No, the closer you get to the center, the closer you get to the presence of Jesus, the louder the noise that comes out of you should be. That says, I know where you can find him. I know the house that he's in. I know the place that he's in. There should be a noise and a sound that come out of the people of God that signal to others where his presence can be found and said a report went out that Jesus was in the house is a sound coming out that Jesus is in the house and many were gathered there and so much that there was no room not even at the door and he was preaching the word to them can you imagine hearing Jesus Preaching the word to them would be a whole lot better than hearing Meredith preach the word to you. And it says, and they came in, bringing the paralytic to him. He was carried by the four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd. They could not get near to him because of the crowd. Now I have a problem with this portion right here. I have a problem with this part of the text right here because it says that these men came. They came, they had gone and found their friend. They had gone and carried their friend for a distance, for a while, to come to the place where Jesus was because their friend needed a touch from Jesus. Their friend was a paralytic. It means his legs could not work. He could not bring himself. So they carried him to the place. But when they got to the place, they couldn't get to Jesus because the crowd had become a barrier. The crowd had blocked them from getting to Jesus. Now, if you've been part of this church for a while, you know part of why we believe that we exist is to create bridges and tear down barriers for others to come into the presence of God. We believe that it is our purpose to create clear pathways for others to come in. And there are a lot of external things and ways that we try to do that. But I wonder if the crowd has ever become the barrier. I wonder if you have ever become the barrier for someone reaching the presence of Jesus, for someone coming into his place. Have we become so lost in the way that we do things, in the way that we hear things, in the way that we want things, in the way that we gather, that we ourselves have become the barrier saying, the thing that I'm most concerned about is making sure that I get up close. The thing that I'm most concerned about is making sure that I can worship in the way that I want to. The thing that I'm most concerned about is if the time slot fits with me. The thing that I'm most concerned about is making sure that I sit in the same seat that I've always sat in. The thing that I'm most concerned about is my own calendar and my own schedule. Have we ourselves become the barrier? The crowd who should have been the ones who were pointing to Jesus, who should have been the ones saying, let us make way because we've been close to him, because we've been hearing his preaching. They were happy to feed from him, but they didn't know how to then turn it into the action that he was talking to them about. They said, we have come to hear from Jesus and we've listened to 
to his preaching and we've listened to his teaching and we love how it makes us feel to be close to him, but we ourselves have now become the barrier. Has the crowd become the barrier when the crowd should be the very thing leading people into the presence of Jesus? But these friends, it says, so they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. These friends, come on, I hope you've got some friends like these. These friends right here who went and found their friend and carried him to Jesus. And when they found that the crowd had become a barrier, they said, we're not willing to stop right here. They, were too, they had too much tenacity in them to come this far and not get there. They either had too much tenacity or they were just tired. You know, I mean, they've been carrying him for a while and they were like, we did not carry him all this way. And the truth is sometimes... Your tenacity and your tiredness are one and the same. They have come too far. I've gotten too close. I've come all the way to his presence and I'm not willing to stop here. I'm not willing to give up. And so they went around and they took him up on the roof. Now the, the roof at the time, the house, houses of the time, it would have been common for the house to be built with a flat roof. And the roof would really double as almost a balcony or a second kind of outdoor space. There would be stairs up the side of the house that led to the top of the roof. And on the top of that roof, there would be slats laid in different directions. And then it would be filled in with kind of like mud and straw and maybe grass and then hardened under the sun to create a, a, a support system that somebody could go out and could walk on. So these guys take their friend all the way up onto the top of this roof and they begin to dig through. Some of the other uh, gospel writers say that they dug through the mud. These friends dug through the mud because they had come so far with their friend, because they had brought him so far, they had brought him into this place. I wonder if you care enough for the people in your life to bring them all this way. I wonder if you are willing to dig through the mud for somebody else, if you are willing to get into the dirty of somebody's life for the sake of seeing them walk into the presence of Jesus, for the sake of seeing them walk in freedom. It says they went on to the roof because they were tenacious and they started to dig into the roof and they dug not just a little hole, they dug enough and they created enough space and they created enough of an opening that they could lower their friend all the way down. They dug and they lowered him all the way down into the presence of Jesus. And then it says, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said, to the paralytic. When he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, I don't know, but that might mess up your theology because it doesn't say that he saw the paralytic's faith. It says that he saw their faith. Who do you have faith for today? Who are you carrying today? Who do you have faith for today that you're believing and you're saying, I know that you don't feel like you can carry yourself, but I have faith for you. And then he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. And isn't that just like Jesus, that he jumped straight past to the most obvious thing and straight to the core of the thing that the man really needed? 
that the most obvious thing that the man needed was his legs didn't work. His friends just had to bring him here, and his friends just lowered him through the roof on a bed. The most obvious thing that I need, Jesus, is I need for my legs to work. But isn't it just like Jesus to jump straight past that thing and say, I'm going to speak to the core of your heart. I'm going to speak to the core of what's going on here. I want to get straight to the inside of this. And he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. And now some of the scribes, which would be kind of the religious elite of the day, were sitting there, and they were questioning in their hearts. That's a real fancy way of saying they were being judgy. They were sitting in the corner being judgy about what was going on. And I wish that I didn't relate so much to the scribes, but if I'm honest with myself, there are a lot of times when I'm sitting in the corner judging what Jesus did and who he did it for and why he did it for them when I got here early and got to sit up front and had a close seat and this joker just came in through the roof (laughs) and you're talking about his sins are forgiven and it says that they begin to question in their hearts think to themselves inside why does this man speak like that he is blaspheming who can forgive sins but God alone and can you just hear Jesus being like "Uh, yup What I'm trying to tell you guys, it goes on and it says, and immediately Jesus perceiving in their spirits that they had thus questioned within themselves, he said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. And then we see Jesus' plan all along. But Jesus knew exactly what he was doing and he ordered what he was saying and how he was speaking to the man for the exact purpose that he intended it. Because now the scribes are kind of a predicament because they know that the harder thing and the higher thing is to say that your sins are forgiven. But they also know to say that your sins are forgiven doesn't really require a lot of evidence in the here and now and in this moment. And so they also know, well, to say that rise up and say your bed and you can walk away with it means that there is going to be evidence right here in this right now moment. But he already said that his sins were forgiven. So if we challenge him, we're a little bit nervous that he also was going to tell him to walk. And if he tells him to walk, it's going to be evidence that the thing that he said about his sins is also true and is also accurate and it's just how Jesus works with you as well because when he came to you he said I'm not worried about all of the outside things that everybody can see I'm not concerned about all of the things and all of the ways that you're weak and all of the ways you've been broken and all of the ways that you've been hurt and all of the ways that you've been harmed the thing I want to talk to you about is your heart the thing I want to talk to you about is how is your inside The thing I want to talk to you about is the thing that's eating you up from the inside to the outside. I want to know if there is something on the inside of you that still, because when I talk to you about the inside of you and I tell you, guess what, son? Guess what, daughter? Your sins have been forgiven. And then you go and you tell some people, my sins have been forgiven. And they're not really sure about it yet. They're kind of judging like the scribes in your life. And they're like, yeah, but we know you. We know what you were doing on Friday night. 
And we know how you lost it last weekend. And we know how you're still a little bit lame in your legs. And you keep, but Jesus says, just keep staying close to me and just keep walking with me because in just a little while longer, I'm setting them up because what I want to prove to them is, yes, I forgave you of your sins. And as you walk with me in that, I start working on the outside of you. And I'm getting ready to say to you, we're going to bring that attitude back in line. And we're going to get that addiction back under control. And we're going to get that tongue of yours to be used as a weapon for warfare, not a weapon for tearing down other people. I'm going to teach teach you how to work from the inside to the outside. And when they see what I've done with you on the outside, they are going to know that the thing that I did with you on the inside, I did all the way through. And it was all the way true. And so he says to the paralytic man, just like I said, your sins were forgiven. I now say to you, pick up your bed and walk. It says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose up immediately and pegged up his bed. And he went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified with God, saying, we have never seen anything like this before. God wants to do some amazing things in your life. He wants your life to be an amazement to those around you. This man who came in, carried on a stretcher, carried on a bed, lowered through a ceiling, sat before Jesus, and in one instant, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And also, so that they know that the more important thing that the sins have been forgiven, I also want you to know that you are healed. So stand up and start walking. He tells them to stand up and start walking, and the man walks out, and he is an amazement to everyone around him. Your life is an amazement to everyone around you when you have been in the presence of God, when you have been close to who God is, and you walk out in the thing that he called you to, responding to the thing that he spoke to you. The man stands up, and he walks out. This man who was carried in on a stretcher by his four friends, and these friends... Our heroes. These friends are the kind of people that God has called us to be. They are the kind of people that gather around somebody and say, let me carry you in this season. Let me pick you up. Let me get you into the presence of Jesus. They are the kind of men who heard something and didn't go to fill up for themselves. They went and said, I know who needs to hear this. And so they went to where the man was and they picked him up. And we don't know how long they walked. We don't know how heavy this man was. We knew it took all four of them and they stood up and they started carrying him into the presence of Jesus and they refused to give up when it got challenging and they refused to get up when it got give up when it got hard and they refused to back down when it meant that they had to get messy they went all the way because they cared enough to go pick him up because they cared enough to gather around him because they cared enough to carry him into the presence of Jesus they cared enough to dig through the mud of his life when was the last time that you cared enough to carry somebody else when was the last time you cared enough to break up your schedule to find somebody else? When was the last time that you cared enough to bring him in and there were four of them around this man? Which tells me that it takes more than just one. Yeah. It takes more than one of us 
to carry somebody into the presence. It takes more than one of us to get those who are hurting close to Jesus. And it takes more than one skill. And it takes more than one strength. It's going to take all of us. And we're going to have to be more than one trick ponies to bring people in thinking that we only approach something from one way. There are many ways that we need to reach people. There are many ways that we need to cry out to them. There are many things that we have to do on the inside of us if we are going to be those who say we are ushering people into the presence of Jesus, knowing I can't change your life. His presence will change your life. I wonder if these friends even knew how much their friend's life would change when they brought him into the presence of Jesus. But we have been called those who knowing what we know and knowing what we don't know will carry people into the presence of Jesus. It's going to take a few different things. The one thing that we are going to do, this is where if you're a note taker, you get to write your notes. I've got like official four points coming your way. You ready? Point one, we are going to pray fervently. We are going to be those who pray fervently for our city, who pray fervently for those who are in our life, who pray fervently for those who need the presence of Jesus, who pray fervently. What does that mean? It means we pray consistently and we pray until we see it move. We pray when we gather here, but we pray when we leave here as well. We pray in times of intercession and we pray just before we enter a meeting and we pray just when we're driving in our car and we pray when we say, God, just speak to me. God, what does this person need? God, why did my, have you ever just slowed down when your schedule gets inconvenient and just ask God, God, what are you doing? When that lunch gets canceled or that meeting gets moved or something gets flipped around and instead of just running to the place of annoyance, have you ever just stopped to say, God, what are you doing in this moment? Perhaps there's something you're speaking to me. Perhaps there's something else. We are going to pray fervently. And we are going to practice invitation. I want us to be those who practice an invitation, who practice inviting others into the presence of Jesus, who practice going and finding those who are far from his presence, who are outside of his presence, who can't get themselves into his presence, and simply inviting and saying, come to this place, come in with me. And here's the thing, we get better at things when we practice things. I know that's super basic, but we get better at things when we practice things. And sometimes we don't engage in things because we're not good at them, or we feel awkward in them, or we feel uncomfortable in them. We're gonna get to that in a second, but we get better at it when we practice. And so we prevent ourselves from doing the very thing that will actually make us better at it and make us good at it. If you commit today to from now until the end of the year, having a practice of invitation, I guarantee you that you will become more natural at it, that you will be better at it, that you will see the moments more quickly, that you will hear the Holy Spirit more readily, that you will know how to genuinely, gently walk into a conversation and say, I have an invitation for you to come and be part of my life group. I have an invitation for you to let me share my story with you about how Jesus changed my life. I want to offer an invitation for you to come to a weekend service with me and come into the presence of Jesus. I want to offer an invitation. You're probably going to be awkward when you do it this week if you haven't done it a lot. But if you practice it, you're going to get better at it. And we are going to be people who practice a habit of invitation. And we are prepared and ready. 
We are prepared and ready. It's where we started this year, and I want to remind you of it, because sometimes we get into other series, and we're like, that's cool. That was for January. That was for all year. It's for all year that we are prepared and ready. It means that we have great expectation that our prayer and our invitation will produce results. We have great expectation that we will see those who are far from Jesus coming into his presence. It means that we are waiting and expecting to see something turn around, and it means that we have to be willing to be in the place of inconvenience. Can you imagine how inconvenienced these four friends' day was? How inconvenienced their life was? By going and getting their friend and carrying him, by physically putting them on the, him on their bodies, by physically walking him to where Jesus was, by by not being turned down by the crowd, but not taking. I don't. Have you ever carried a stretcher with a paralytic man up a set of stairs? It's got to be very inconvenient, very uncomfortable. But they were willing to be inconvenienced for this man for the sake of getting him into the presence of Jesus. Are we willing to be inconvenienced? Are we willing to move outside of our time slots? Are we willing to adjust our lives? Are we willing to adjust our habits to say if it means getting you into the presence of Jesus? We have to be those who are willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of getting people into the presence of Jesus. God has called us to be those who go out into our city and bring people to his presence. A part of what I kept wondering about as I listened through this story, as I walked through it, and this is where I really wanted to get all day, was what was this like for the paralytic man? The four friends, they are heroes in this story. But what was this like for the man who had to lay on a stretcher and allow his friends to carry him because he couldn't on his own? because he didn't have the strength on his own, because he didn't have the ability on his own. What I want to ask is, when was the last time that you let someone carry you? wonder how different the story would have been if he refused to let them carry him into the presence of God. When was the last time someone asked you, hey, I wanted to check on you, I want to know how you're doing, and you just said, I'm actually not good. Not good. And I, I could use somebody to carry me this week. I wonder when the last time somebody said, hey, I really want to come and I want to help you with something. I want to come alongside you and I want to show up and support you in this way. And instead of saying, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, you just said, that actually would be great. I actually could really use some help right now. I really could use someone to carry me in this season. 
I wonder when the last time you allowed yourself to be carried was. We are obsessed with our own independence. We are obsessed with the idea of our self-sufficiency, of saying, I've got it all together, and I know how to do this thing. When I moved to Australia, dealing with self-sufficiency was one of the first and most painful things that God dealt with me about. Because up until that point, I had kind of lived in my own circle, in my own bubble, and I had the ability to manage everything. And I moved to this foreign country where I didn't know a lot of what was going on. And I also didn't have the same access to certain resources as I did before. Specifically, I did not have access to a car, which meant that I had to get rides everywhere. Anywhere that I wanted to go that was more than about a 20-minute walk, I had to get a ride there. And I remember being there at the end of a service. I was at the end of kind of one of our, um, our Bible college services, and I realized I need a ride home. The person who brought me had had to leave earlier, and I was looking around the room, and God was like, hey, that person goes kind of by that way. And I remember just standing there with a pit in my stomach. My throat felt dry and felt tight. And I was like, God, I'm not doing that. I, you want me to go ask that person? Why? Because it meant that I had to rely on somebody else. It meant that everything I needed wasn't within me and everything I needed wasn't between just me and Jesus. He needed me to lean on somebody else. And I had to walk over there whew, with all, trust me, swallowing all of my pride and say, I just, I wondered, I wondered, could you give me a lift? Could you give me a lift home? Now that's a really kind of inconsequential in some ways. I probably would have just slept at the church forever had I not dealt with that. I'd always been early to my classes. But some of us are walking and we are carrying things this is the part where you've been carrying emotional things for far too long. You've been carrying weight that was never intended for you to carry by yourself. And there are people around you saying, hey, hey, can I pick you up? Can I carry you? Right now, it seems like you're in a season that you need me to carry you into the presence of Jesus. But we're just, we're so stuck in our self-sufficiency. I did a word search. I have a program that helps me search through, the, through scripture, there was not one instance in the search that I did where the word self-sufficiency is used in scripture. It is a modern American idea. Those two words don't altogether make anything bad, but I think this one, it has created it in us a thing that says, I just want to just, I just, because if I can handle it by myself, then no one else really has to know what I'm dealing with. I don't really have to tell anyone else about it. If I, if I can just figure out a way to sort this out by myself. God has not called us to be self-sufficient. He has called us to be reliant on one another. There are dozens of scriptures where it says, carry each other's burdens, confess to one another, lean on one another. When was the last time you let someone carry you? carry you into his presence when was the last time you said I'm going to lay down my pride I'm going to lay down 
this feeling that I have to have it all together. I'm going to lay down my facade. I'm going to come. I wish that we would come into his house and instead of coming here and acting like we have it all together every single week and acting like we can shout, we would come into his house and get on our knees. We would text each other and say, I need your help today. I need someone to carry me today. When was the last time that you let someone carry you? carrying you into his presence. And we cannot be the people that God has called us to be. We cannot be the church that he has called us to be. We cannot reach a city the way he has called us to reach a city. We cannot call out to others and bring them in until we are willing to say, I need you to carry me today. I don't feel strong today. I don't feel powerful today. I don't feel faithful today. I was wondering if you could believe for me because I feel overburdened, I feel disappointed, I feel weak, I feel like my legs don't work, I don't know how to get myself to the place. And I was wondering if you could give me a lift today. I was wondering if you could carry me into his presence today. As we prepare to move back into worship, if you wanna stand, if you're in the room, I just wanna pray a prayer for us. Pray a prayer over all would say, you know what, that's where I find myself. I find myself in a place of saying, I, I, need, I need a hand today. I need somebody to carry me today. I need someone to come alongside me. I need some friends who are willing to believe on my behalf. If that's you and you want to either raise your hand or just stand where you are, I'm going to ask some people to gather around these people. Look around the room. There are people standing all over who are saying, I need somebody to carry me. Others will carry you into freedom. Someone is gathered, standing around. I want to ask you to move to them. Gather around them. We are here not for platform ministry, but for the moving of the Spirit and the body of Christ. Gathering around. Put your hands on their shoulders. Stand next to them as we pray this prayer together. And if you just stood up in this room, if you just dropped a hand in the chat, I want to just say that you are so courageous. It takes so much courage to say, I need somebody who can carry me. I need somebody to stand with me. I need somebody to gather around me. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we honor their courage. We honor their strength. And we lift up your name. We say that you are worthy and holy, God, and we ask you to make us the kind of body you have called us to be, to stand with one another, to carry one another, to walk with one another. And we speak over you that you are strengthened today. We speak over you that you are encouraged today. We speak over you that his presence is here for you today. We speak over you that you will not stand in the place of self-sufficiency, but you will stand in the place of depending on the family of God, on the people of God that he has called you to. We speak that his joy is your portion, his peace is your portion. The steadiness of walking in his presence is your portion today. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, move, move, move in this place. Be carried in this place. Be carried into his presence. Lean on the faith of someone else. Lean on the strength of someone else. You don't have to have it all in yourself. Jesus, oh, we thank you for it. 